Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Unfortunately, the outline on the screen is not the outline for our message today because uh, Alex didn't have the new one. But I do. And um, basically, it's a continuation of chapter 7, starting with verse 18, uh, through the different elements uh, of the narrative there in that chapter. 18 through 50 um, is all happened together, if you will. We're going to find in in the beginning of this, um, to all of us, and and by the way, we welcome uh, we welcome all those online. Alex brought it up. Uh, we try to keep that pathway open uh, for our online listeners, uh, of which there are a number, many of them, and we really appreciate uh, them being there, their comments, and their support of this ministry. Uh, which is basically just teaching the Word of God. And that's, um, that's the whole of it, if you will. And that's why I wanted to deal with things like Jesus begins his ministry, um, because this is the beginning part. And here we're going to find uh, very early on, maybe not even a year into it, um, it's hard to specify exactly the, the date, um, somewhere around uh, early A.D. 2028, 20, I imagine, uh, would be about right. But he spends a lot of time in, in the first part of our lesson today answering an important question that John, the immerser, the, we all call him John the Baptist, but the word Baptist or baptized means immerse. So he's John the Immerser. Uh, I know there's one Bible in print that has the word Immerser there. There are a number of other ones in foreign languages, such as the German Bible and others. Um, uh, our, the word baptized is the transliteration in our English Bibles to avoid the, the element of immersion. It makes it a, a gender, a, you know, neutral type word. But Let's face it, it's John the Immerser. Uh, he was immersing people in the Jordan River for a baptism of repentance, the Jewish people. That's who were being immersed, by the way. No one else had need uh, come to him. Um, but he had sent two of his men to ask Jesus a very important question. And Jesus is going to answer it. Um, also, after he answers it, he goes on to talk about John and his role as a prophet and how all of that compares to what Jesus is talking about every day, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the nearness of the kingdom, it's at hand, it's coming to, it has come upon you. 
That's what he was talking about. And he compares John to the least in the kingdom of heaven. In the, in the kingdom of God, basically. So that's what we're going to look at and start with. Um, we're in Luke 7, about verse 18. We'll go through 23 in our reading this morning, uh, on, on this section at least. Now remember, Jesus had just uh, raised the son of a, of a widow from the dead. And that was caused quite a stir, as, as, as it says at the end of that in verse 17. And this report went out into all Judea concerning him in all the surrounding country. That is the land of the Jews. They heard about Jesus of Nazareth had raised the dead son of the widow in Nain, a city in uh, Israel there. These things, uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, the word was spreading all over uh, through the Jews. Word of mouth. They traveled along, and when they got to town, they started talking about all the things that they had seen over here or heard over here. We do the same thing today, don't we? Um, it's just that our process is a whole lot faster now than it was. You know. But in, in verse 18, it says this, And the disciples of John brought him word concerning all these things. That is, all the things that Jesus had done. His, John's disciples had brought uh, him that word. Now, why did they bring him? John was in prison. Herod had imprisoned him sometime beforehand. And yet he had his visitors. Verse 19. And John, having called two of his disciples, sent to Jesus, saying, Art thou he that is coming? Or... Are we to wait for another? Now that's a very important question posed by John. He wanted to confirm this issue. But the men, having come to him, said, John the immerser has sent us to thee, saying, Art thou he that is coming, or are we to wait for another? In that hour, he, that is Jesus, healed many of diseases and plagues and evil spirits, and to many blind he granted sight. And Jesus answered, saying to them, Go, bring back word to John of what you have seen and heard, that the blind see, the lame walk, leopards are cleansed, the deaf hear, dead, the dead are raised, Poor, the, the poor are evangelized and blessed, and blessed is whoever shall not be offended in me. That's what Jesus told them to tell John when they went back to him. By the way, uh, the idea of blindness, healing blindness, this was a, uh, one of the prophecies of the anointed one from God when he came amongst the people. Uh, this was one of the things that, that were, was not done uh, 
except by Jesus, I believe, as far as in recorded uh, biblical history, what has been recorded. So, Jesus, the, the concept and what John wants to know, and even though John is the one that has declared this Jesus, the Lamb of God, uh, before when John the Immerser was born, his father prophesied concerning both his son that was, uh, that was born and Jesus uh, of Nazareth that was not born yet, but that John would be the, the one that would stand, in his, uh, stand for him, and he was the one that had been sent by God to make the way straight for the Messiah. But Jesus himself fulfilled the prophecies of the Anointed One. And all of those prophecies, friends, are in the Old Testament, as we call it. Uh, which is the history of the Jews. Those prophecies were given. It starts all the way back in Genesis uh, when, uh, when Jesus is judging um, and punishing Eve, Adam and Eve and Satan himself. The promise of the Redeemer is given then. And he would be the one that would crush the head of Satan. But Satan would bruise his heel. That was the, the, the prophecy. Even though some of our Bibles have been changed to where uh, Jesus uh, uh, bruises the head of Satan. I don't know why that happens. It, it's in none of the translations, none of the original languages uh, will, stands behind that. But nonetheless, that's what we see. Um, in some of our translations, we have to be careful about them. But it was Jesus that fulfilled all these prophecies. He is the one sent from God. <clears throat> and that has been the task of Jesus throughout his ministry, to, that the people would know that God had sent him to them. They needed to listen to him and to be aware of what was coming their way. Also, John the Immerser did the same thing. He was baptizing the Jewish people unto repentance, not for salvation. That was, that's being born anew into the kingdom of God. But they were being baptized unto repentance, <coughs> that they would be ready. They were purifying themselves to be ready for the kingdom, the message of the kingdom that Jesus was preaching. Jesus, the one sent from God, the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Lamb of God, the King of Peace. Jesus was the King of Peace, but how was he the King of Peace? He brought peace between man and God. There was no peace between man and God. There was, there was, a, uh, there was a system in the covenant people of the Jews, that sin would be taken away from them on a yearly basis and moved forward. But the idea of peace did not come until the blood of Christ was shed and the, and the penalty for sin was paid. That's who John wanted to know about. He wanted to know are you the one? And, and certainly the answer was, was affirmative there. But he goes on. And I like this. Um, 
because it talks about, uh, it really is an eye-opener to, of course, those that were there that day, but even to the people today. In uh, verses 24 through 35, Jesus explains concerning John and concerning a number of things all to do with this. He says this, And the messengers of John, having departed, he began to speak to the crowds concerning John. And he asked them this question, What went you out into the wilderness to behold? A reed shaken by the wind? But what went you out to see? A man clothed in delicate garments? Behold, those who are in splendid clothing and live luxuriously are in the courts of kings. But what went you out to see? A prophet? Yea, I say to you, and what is more excellent than a prophet? So John is not only a prophet, but more excellent than the prophets. Why? Because of his mission, his task that God had given him, made him um, more excellent. And this is why. This is he concerning whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, who shall prepare thy way before thee. Now that's written, by the way, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And it's concerning the prophet John as he goes forth to, to open the door, if you will, to make, make the ways uh, straight and make it um, uh, introduce Jesus to the people of the Jewish people at that time. And that was the prophecy. It's one of them. For I say unto you, Jesus said to them, among them that are born of a woman, a greater prophet is no one than John. But he who is a little one in the kingdom of God is greater than he. <coughs> Excuse me. A little one is, most of our Bibles say, at least in, uh, in other words, uh, the newest, the youngest, whatever. And he's making this comparison here. We're going to verse 35. Okay. Verse 29. And all the people heard it. And the tax gatherers justified God, having been baptized with the baptism of John. And remember the baptism of John. This is where so many people have a problem. They read, they see the word baptized in their Bible and they think it, it's the same all the way through, front to back, all the way. No. How about the baptism of the proselytes of the Jews? That was a baptism. You have to get, you have to find out what is the context of the word you're looking at. And here is the baptism of John, which is a baptism of repentance. I think it's Mark uh, chapter 1, verse 4. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rendered null as to themselves the counsel of God, not having been to see and, and, and were baptized by him. In other words, they did not allow John to baptize them. 
They didn't feel they needed to have a baptism of repentance. Now, if we understand the nature of most of the Pharisees and lawyers, we, we know why that is. They were rather holier than thou, if you will. They had a real issue there. <clears throat> so we see a division in the people here. Some were willing to be baptized by John. Others were not. So what does Jesus do here in verse 32? He, he gives them a little uh, riddle, if you will. A little something they can think about. See if they can, he uses this to make it clear who these people really are. Both sides. They are like children sitting in a marketplace and one calling to another and saying, we have piped to you and you have not danced. We have mourned to you and you have not wept. For John the Immerser has come neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you said, he has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking and you say, behold, an eater and wine drinker a friend of tax gatherers and sinners, and wisdom has been justified of all her children. Now, this, was, uh, this is how, by the way, the Jewish teachers taught things, uh, by using this thing, and you find your spot in there where you belong, okay? Um, but you see, Wisdom is always justified. It will be known. It will be understood. Not, unfortunately, not at the t time that it needs to be so often. <clears throat> the kingdom of God is far superior to the covenant of the law, the, the first covenant, if you will. But Jesus was trying to give them what was known in that time, glad tidings, or the good news. We call it the gospel message. Uh, but you see, all of the gospel message couldn't be proclaimed yet because it had not been fulfilled yet. Not everything had happened. They weren't ready for entrance into the kingdom by being born again by the will of God from above. They weren't ready for that. Because all had not been fulfilled. Still, sin had still not been dealt with. But they needed to listen to the good news that this was at hand. And even John's uh, baptism of repentance was an evidence of faith in God's people. There were those that listened to John repented, were baptized, and were awaiting the kingdom. Just as John had said, and just as Jesus and his disciples were preaching both. The nearness of the kingdom. God keeps his promises. All right? Let's finish up here. Verse 36. <clears throat> we change the subject just a little. <clears throat> and I think this is interesting. And just imagine all of this happening at once, you see. Because in verse 46 it says, But one of the Pharisees begged him that he would eat with him. You see, this large group of, of people were there. there was, and one of them came up to him and 
just wouldn't take no for an answer on this. And entering into the house of the Pharisee, he took his place at the table, that is, Jesus did. And behold, a woman in the city who was the sinner and knew that he was sitting at meat in the house of the Pharisee, having taken an alabaster box of myrrh and standing at his feet behind him, weeping, began to wash his feet with tears. And she wiped them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the myrrh. And the Pharisee who had invited him, seeing it, spoke with himself. In other words, he didn't say this audibly. He thought it in his mind. He spoke to himself and he was thinking, uh, he was thinking this. Uh, this person, that is Jesus, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what the woman who is touching him. For she is a sinner. So you see, to the Pharisee, this, this should not happen at all. Because of the, the position of that woman and the position of the Pharisee and the Pharisee's home and Jesus. and You see, he had an order in his mind. That's what he was thinking to himself. In verse 40, Jesus answers and says to him, Simon, apparently that's the Pharisee's name, I have somewhat to say to thee. And he says, Teacher, say it. He tells this parable. There were two debtors of a certain creditor. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. But as they both had nothing to pay, he forgave both of them their debt, saying, Which of them, therefore, will love him most? So Jesus asked the question. And Simon answered and said, I suppose he to whom has, uh, he has forgiven the most. And he said to him, Thou hast rightly judged. And turning to the woman, he said to Simon, Seest thou this woman? I entered into thy house, and thou gavest me not water on my feet, but she has washed my feet with tears and wiped them with her hair. Thou gavest me not a kiss, but she, from the time I came in, has not ceased kissing my feet. My head with oil thou didst not anoint, but she has anointed my feet with myrrh. For which cause I say to thee, Simon, her many sins are forgiven, for she loved much, but he whom little is forgiven loves little. And he said to her, Thy sins are forgiven. And, and they that were with them at the table began to say within themselves, who is this who forgives also sins? Jesus has answered this question before. And he said to the woman, Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. 
Now, to us, friends, this account is it's quite different, isn't it? This isn't something that happens today. But then, of course, the whole scenario of that place and who was there is not today either, is it? We have to really put ourselves in. And that's why that story was told, so that Simon could see clearly the, the problem that he had in judging harshly that woman who he had no business judging to start with. Much of Israel made their judgments, not all, but many and, and most of them on physical levels only. Even according to the law, according to the law, according to their society, this woman was, was definitely a sinner. But why was she there? Why was she doing that? We know when, there's no answer to that. We don't know the circumstance. We do know the custom of the day is that when women were left without the support of a man, they were destitute. For one thing, they'd starve to death. So their judgments were skewed because of this. And they were judging, always judging according to their own wisdom, even though the, the psalmist uh, made it clear that judging according to your own abilities, your own wisdom, is, is a pitfall. Is a pitfall for man. That we need to judge and use the wisdom of God and see how he judges a situation, and then we can follow suit. But only Jesus could teach them according to the things that were really important. Only Jesus could tell them of heaven and the true nature of his Father. Only Jesus could teach and bring out the issue of sin and make it, put it in, on the level that it needs to be. You know, they were a proud people. They were so proud they didn't even want to admit that the Romans were their masters. That they had to go to Rome for anything they wanted. They were in bondage. And yet... To them, they, that didn't exist. They were a free people. No one has ever held us captive. But their history was captivity. Why? Because they had departed the will of God. This is a lesson that the church has, the new covenant has, from the old covenant. Depart from God in the ways of the new covenant, and you'll find yourself in the same place as the Jews did many, many times in recorded history in the Bible. So only Jesus could, could explain and teach from the Father, from the mind of his Father, for he said it clearly. The things that I say, I heard from my Father. I do these things because the Father has sent me to do them. These are not my words, but my Father's words. Not my words alone, but the Father's also. Jesus taught, informed them of sin. Sin was their bondage. Sin was their taskmaster. Sin was what was keeping them and separating them from God, and yet they had forgotten. They had forgotten it was their own sin that needed to be forgiven. Jesus taught on forgiveness. 
You see, in, in the Greek culture of the day, the, the most uh, loving thing someone could do would be a philanthropist. In other words, that you would go out and help somebody that's not your relative, nobody to you. You'd go and help them. That was the highest form of love that existed in the mind of the Roman and the Greeks and, and of that day. And the Jews had fallen into the same mindset. Now, it's a wonderful thing to be a philanthropist in that way. We have many today, even now. And they're held up as the highest form of humanity. But during the days of Jesus, and because of the work of Christ, a new word for love was given. That's agape. That's a love that you would die for even your enemy. That you would give yourself on behalf of others uh, that you have no real responsibility towards, even if they hate you. And agape love is a love that will both teach, punish, and protect. All of them together, because at the end of the day, agape love is the love that wants to preserve the person for uh, a life uh, with God for time uh, without end. And that's the kingdom of God. And also, like I said, Jesus taught on the concept of love. And their love would just fall a little, it fell a little short. But you know, until the things that Jesus did, until it was known and understood that the Son of God came and died for sinners, they had a new expression for love. And Jesus taught about it, didn't he? About it's, it's, a, it's a, a, a man is a wonderful, good man if he dies for his friend, to protect his friend. But there's something yet even more. And that was just not understood in that day. But Jesus taught it and taught it well. Not only did he teach it, but he demonstrated it. So what can we learn from the Gospels? <laughs> well, we can learn about living the life that we each have to live. These are the parameters, if you will. These are the things that are important. Um, the Pharisee had a place in Israel. The concept of the Pharisee was a good concept. They were faithful and true to God's word. That was their, their mission. They established the synagogue system, because, uh, especially mainly because the Jews were nowhere near the temple. Matter of fact, the temple had been destroyed by the Babylon. And the Pharisees came in and they taught, they kept, teaching the people during the 70 years of captivity and many of the other times that they were separated. That was the Pharisees. That's what they did. The Pharisees, the, uh, the, the Levites, the priests, they were working together in that way to keep the people of God, the covenant people, the Jews, to never lose sight of God. And of course, isn't that just what the church is here for today? To teach and protect and shelter, and expect great things from God's people. That's our mission. That's our task, if you will. 
given to us by the Lord himself through the apostles' teaching and the New Testament. So we will move on. Next week, I've got a little bit more to do in this early days. Uh, and then we'll move on to something else. But I want to share this with you. I hope these things have been useful to you today. The clock on the wall says it's time to, for us to depart and, um, and our other activities. So we pray these things will be helpful to you and those that you will encounter this week. Remember the words of Jesus. Because the apostles repeated the words of Jesus every day of their life. When they spoke to others, they were speaking the mind of Christ that he had given them to speak. And they differ from us in one way. They were told that when they are brought before the king or the judge, that they didn't have to worry about what they're going to say because it would be given to them. Now, you say, well, I don't have to worry about it then. Oh, no. Wait a minute. It's been given to us too, hasn't it? We, we got it right here. We know what to say. That is, if we know what's in here, we know what to say. We'll leave you with that. Our song of invitation, Rescue the Perishing. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.